Turn with me, please, this evening to the book of Psalms and the 66th chapter. Psalm 66. All this week we've been looking at this. Psalm 66, 12. He said, you caused men to ride over our heads. We went through fire, went through water. But, aren't you glad for this last part? (laughs) But, you brought us out. Out of what? Out of men ruling over us. Out of fire, out of what? You brought us out of all that into a wealthy place. I like saying it, don't you? I think I could just stand here and say it for 30 minutes. (laughs) Wealthy place. Brought us out to a wealthy, wealthy place. I had a guy meet me one time out in the parking lot after I'd spoken at a meeting. Oh, he was mad. I thought he was going to take a swing at me one point. He was so mad. You know what he was so mad about? I kept using the word rich. (laughs) Rich. I talked about rich, and I just kept saying rich. And oh, man, you'd have thought I was cussing. And he said, that ain't right. What you're teaching, that ain't right. That ain't right. I said, brother, I quoted scripture. (laughs) And he started to say, but that ain't right. And then he caught himself. But that ain't, uh, well, I mean, I said, it's Timothy that said, God gives us richly all things to enjoy. He's made us able to be a partaker of the exceeding riches of his grace. He came to give us abundance. Is he a rich God or not? What's his will? Sparseness? Lack? Doing without? Are more than enough. What's his will? Junk? Junk? Or didn't he say if you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good. The good. The fat. The best. He's a good God. A lot of folk are confused about it, but he's still good. And it is his will. No matter what you're in right now. Men ruling over you. Fire, water, whatever it is. It is his will to bring you out of that. Into your wealthy place. Come on, say it out loud. It is His will to bring me into my wealthy place. The NIV says, you brought us to a place of abundance. The complete Jewish Bible said, you brought us to a place of plenty. The New Century said, you brought us to a place of good things. The New King James says, you brought us to a place of rich fulfillment. Thank you, Lord. Is there a place God has for you? We've been on this all week now. Foreordained, predestined place. And what is a place? We looked at the Hebrew word. What is a place? A place is a location and a condition. A locate, God has a location for you. Where you fit, where you're supposed to be, join to people that he's foreordained that you be joined to. And there's a condition of heart and mind that you're supposed to live and operate in. You know, you don't just live in your county or state or country. 
You live in here. In your mind. That's why there's people that's in beautiful uh, locations. And yet where they're living is a dark place. Because of their mindset. Because of their grief or their sorrow. Whatever. So it's both things. It's you being in the right place location wise. But it's also being in the right place heart wise. And spirit wise. Go with me if you would over to uh, Kings. 1 Kings 17. Uh, You're going to 1 Kings 17. I want to review this just a little bit before we go on. We said, I believe by the word of the Lord, that we're finding our places this week. And we're doing things that are taking steps to getting us to our wealthy place are assisting us to stay and abide in our wealthy place. And one thing I want to review is so many people are confused about it. So many people talk about how hard it seems to be to find your proper place. What a challenge it seems to be to find God's will and plan for your life. I want you to know that's a lie. Hmm? See, the response to that's not overwhelming. Why? Because the enemy has convinced huge numbers of believers that they may go their whole life and never find out exactly what the plan of God is for them. That is acting like the Lord is unfaithful to do what he said he would do. He told them, I will not leave you helpless. I'm going to send you another comforter. Did he do it? Did he come on the day of Pentecost? Has he been here ever since? And what's he here to do? He said when he comes, and he's come, he will guide you into all truth. He'll bring to your remembrance whatever I've said to you. He'll take of mine and show it to you. He will even show you things to come. Didn't he say it? Didn't he say, my sheep? No, my voice, a stranger's voice, they won't follow. I lead my sheep out and they follow me. So all this talk about I can't hear from God and I just don't know what the problem is. Your words are stout against His. It's not faith. It's fear. And it's walking by sight. I've had people just come to me in torment. Tears. Please, Brother Keith, pray for me. i got to make the right decision on this deal. I don't want to miss God. I don't want to miss God. Pray for me. I just can't seem to hear from God, though. I've fasted. I've prayed. I've talked to people. I just can't seem to hear. I just can't seem to hear. I just can't seem to hear. I don't want to miss God. Does the Bible say you can't seem to hear? What does the Bible say? The Bible says, you are his sheep, and you know his voice. You have an unction and anointing of the Holy One, and you know all things. I know years ago, the ministry was just getting started good, and several things came up, just one right after another. And my standard answer that day was, I don't know. They said, what are we going to do about this? I said, I don't know. 
Well, what are we going to do about this? I don't know. An hour or so later, the phone rang. What are we going to do about this? I don't know. I don't know. Something else came up about three in the afternoon. I don't know. I don't know. And I guess I said it for about the tenth time that day, and the Lord spoke to my heart. I don't mean I heard a voice, but inside me, he said, no, and you won't find out like that. (laughs) Well, then what do you say? You say what the Word says. You speak by faith. What, What does the Word say? I have an anointing of the Holy One, and I know. He is ordering my steps. He is directing my paths. He is leading me. And I am following Him. I will know what to do. And I will do the right thing. And your head goes, what? What? Say, shut up. (laughs) Shut up. I'll know. And when you talk like that, you have the door open for the Lord to speak to you. But when you go around crying and whining and scared and I can't hear from God, I, it's just so confusing, I, I can't figure it all out, your words are stout against Him. You are not agreeing with what He said. Basically saying that what He said is not true. That He said, you're His sheep, you know His voice, but you're saying, yeah, but I don't. I'm going to go with Him. Amen. How about you? I'm not going to agree with you if you say that. I'm going to go with him and say, you are his sheep. And you know his voice. And a stranger's voice you won't follow. And you have an anointing of the Holy One. And you know everything that you need to know. And everything that you need to do. And he's ordering your steps. Everybody say it out loud. I know his voice. voice. Say it again. I know his voice. voice. (laughs) There's all kinds of Christians that hardly have ever said that. It just seems uncomfortable to them. They're like, uh, uh, I want to learn more. No, say it. I know his voice. You're agreeing with the Bible. You're agreeing with John 10. You're agreeing with Jesus. You're just saying what he said. Say it again. I know his voice. Say it again. I know his voice. Say it three times. I know his voice. I know his voice. I know his voice. I know his voice. He said it. It's true. I agree with him. I believe it. Now, three things that we went over last night, and I want to try to repreach the whole thing. We've got other places to go, but this is so important. How can I find my wealthy place? And how can I flourish in it? The Lord gave us three things last night. You remember what they were? Number one was willingness. If you're unwilling, it's like you're on a different frequency from the voice of God. It's like you're trying to pick up an FM station and your radio's on the AM band. <laughs> Makes no difference how many amps you put on it and how many speakers you put in the car and how big of a whip antenna you put. You can pull your bumper up and put it against the station, radio station. And you can have so much power flowing through the system, it sounds like you're frying eggs three blocks away. And you will never pick up what's being said or sung or played 
Why? You're on the wrong band. The wrong frequencies. What will open up? And this is not just my word now. John 7. Don't turn there right now. But John about verse 17. And read, read about half that chapter through there. You'll see what I'm talking about. One translation said. If any man wills to do his will. He will know. Whether it's of me or whether it's of the Father, whether it's of God. You'll know whether it's of flesh or of God. What causes you to be able to know whether it's God or not? Willingness. Willingness. You will. And so you've got to be willing to do it before you hear it. I know years ago, when I was ministering at Ramah, the Lord had allowed us to minister more and more. I prayed and I said, Lord... I want to develop the quickest and yet the most solidly that I can. Lead me to the, uh, in the situations and hook me up with the right people and the things so that I can develop because I begin to be aware of how undeveloped I was. I needed to grow. I needed to develop. And we all do. And uh, it wasn't long after that I began to find myself uh, teaching and preaching. And speaking and ministering to people every day, two times a day, three times a day, four times a day. There were times I was speaking 26, 7, 8 times a week. And I wasn't a preacher before this. Oh man, I'm scrambling. (laughs) I mean, Phyllis hardly saw me. I mean, when I got home, I had to study. I had to pray. I got to find out what to do. What to say? And after a while, it just seemed like it's too much. I came in one day of the office. I fell across the floor. I said, God, this seems like a lot. He said, you asked for it. <laughs> this is how you develop. How you get good at running? Run. How you get good at swimming? Swim. How you get good at preaching? You got to preach. <laughs> How are you going to develop and ministering to people, laying hands on people? You can't just go to seminars and read books about laying on hands. You got to do it. Do it, and the more you do it, the more you learn about it. There are a lot of things you're not going to learn until you actually get there and do it and do a lot of it and do it on a continuous basis, day after day, week after week, month after month. You begin to learn. <laughs> During that time, once in a while when I was praying, something had come up in my heart and to my mind about going out on the weekends and having healing meetings in churches and different places. And boy, when it would, I'd bring that down pretty quick. I thought, man, I'm going night and day. <laughs> what? No, I want to rest on the weekend. And so I just kind of pushed that aside and tried to pretend I didn't know where that came from. Because it's going to mean more work. It's going to mean traveling. It's going to mean, you know, and I'm kind of wanting to just rest a little bit on the weekend. And uh, at the same time, during about those two years, or I should say an 18-month period, we had had some financial challenges and things just wasn't right. And, and I'd pray and talk to the Lord about it. And, Lord, what do I do with things? You know, we're making it, but not like we should be. And, Lord, and I'm trying to talk to him about it, and I just couldn't get clear on what I needed to do. And then, you know, once in a while I'd get quiet and hear this had come up. About me going out. 
This went on, like I said, for about a year and a half. And one day I was at home by myself, sitting in the chair, uh, studying a little bit and just getting quiet and resting. And this thing came up in my spirit again, to my mind, about going out on the weekends, going to churches, having healing meetings. I just laid my Bible. I said, I said, Lord, forgive me. That's you. I know that's you. Forgive me. I'll go. You want me to go? I'll go. I don't know how I'll do it, but you'll help me. You'll strengthen me. You'll show me. If it's your will, I know there's grace to do it. How many believe that? If it's his will, there's grace. Even though you can't see how, if it's his will, there's grace to do it. Not just get through it, but to do it well and to flourish in it. I said, Lord, I'll do it. I'll do it. And just like that, I don't mean a voice, but just like that, it came up in my spirit. Uh, Good. Now I'm going to talk to you about your finances. And he told me what to do. And they immediately began to change. I had no idea one was connected to the other. What do you mean? My unwillingness in this area was blocking my direction in this area. Oh, are you with me? So number one, willingness. Number two is what? Obedience. Obedience. And number three, we said it different ways, it's faithfulness. You can call it different things, but that's what it is. Faithfulness. When the Lord shows you what to do, there comes a point where you got to step out. Do it. And if you'll do that, He'll lead you exactly where you need to be, and you'll be in the right place at the right time. But then, even though it might be tough sometimes, you got to stay put and be faithful. Be faithful, and if you'll do that, you'll get in your wealthy place, and you'll stay in your wealthy place. You will increase. You will prosper. Now, do you have First uh, Kings? First Kings 17. Look at this. First Kings 17. And we're going to begin at verse 1. We read earlier this week, where the Lord instructed his people through the whole chapter there not to sow their seed just anywhere that they decided to. He said, I'm going to have a place where my name is. You bring your offerings there. You do your tithes and your first fruits and you do what I show you there. You eat of it and enjoy it there. He said, see to it that you don't just offer it anywhere your eyes happen to see. Being led by the Spirit is absolutely one of the most important things you will ever learn in life, ministry, family, everything. The answer to a thousand and one questions every day is be led. Sometimes people have said, well, just follow the Word, follow the Word. Well, this is spoken by the Spirit. The author of the book lives in you. One of the greatest benefits of experience, leaders who have experience, people around you that have more experience in walking with God than you do, is for the Lord to use them to show you how the Word applies to you and how you are to apply it and act on it in life. You want me to say that again? (laughs) Let me preface it with this. We touched on this pretty strong last night, but I don't know, a year or so ago we were teaching a certain series, and and the Lord spoke to me during the preparation of it, uh, because we talked, among other things, we talked about ministry gifts. You know, ministry gifts 
apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, are gifts from God to his people. And they're some of his most precious gifts. They're valuable. And they're not given to the people just for the benefit of the minister. They're a gift from God to the people for the benefit of the people. To help the people. You remember Ephesians? Why did he give these gifts? For the perfecting of the saints. For the edifying of the body of Christ. Not just so they can have a ministry. For the what? Perfecting. Completing. Developing. Of the saints. And people say, I need help. I need to grow up. I need to develop. He's given you help. It's all around you. For the perfecting of the saints. For the work of the ministry. For the edifying, the building up, the developing of the body of Christ. But the Lord, the thing the Lord spoke to me, he said, so many of my people are not getting the full benefit of the gifts I've given them. Because they won't give them the place in their life. They won't give them the place in their life. They should. See, we've lost some things. There's no respect for the ministry in so many places. You see one from one ditch to the other. You've got a few people, uh, it's getting less and less, that uh, they make too much of the ministers. And it's all about the man. It's all about the woman. But then you've got the ditch on the other side where the place is not honored. And people act like, well, we hire the preacher to do some preaching and basically for counseling and visitation. But just don't mess with my life. Now, don't think you have any right to speak into my life about what I should do or not do. And pretty much that is the case. And so there is this hard line of what people are willing to hear or allow their ministers to speak into their life. And because of that, they're not deriving nearly the benefit out of their ministers that they should. Now, it's not right for people to come to ministers and ask them every question and detail about life and ministers to try to tell them, yeah, buy the Ford or the Chevy or yeah, wear this or that. No, 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 no. Ministers are to train people to be led by the Spirit for themselves. So what is this other part then? What is the issue about people not getting the benefit? Here's the benefit. The part I said I'd say to you again. One of the greatest benefits of people who have more knowledge and understanding and experience in the things of God than you is that by the Spirit they can show you at times in your life how the Word what word applies to you right now and how that word applies to you and how you are to apply it in life, how to act on it. Oh, that's valuable. I said, oh, that's valuable. And there's been this vague, vague general idea of we'll just stand on the word. Just stand on the word. It's a big book. (laughs) There's a lot of verses. Well, just pick a verse, any verse, and apply it. Wrong. Wrong. No. No. 
That's why the Lord gave us the author of the book. (laughs) To live inside us. 24-7. We need to be familiar with this book. Absolutely. And the more we are, the better off we are. Why? Because every day, He's going to show us what part applies to this. When and how. Oh, come on. Can you see it? But people have thought, well, it doesn't really matter. Just pick a verse. And just, you know, we're believing God for a million dollars. Pick a verse. Okay, here we go, here we go. Jesus wept. Ah. <laughs> uh. Mrs. Well, I did that one time and it was the right verse. God has mercy on babies. <laughs> but he expects you and I to learn and grow up and know how to be led by the Spirit. And in addition to the person of the Spirit living in us because we're at different places knowing how to hear from Him and recognizing what is Him, He's also given us these gifts. Do you know we're supposed to be in a good church? I said, did you know we're all of us, all over the world, all over the body are supposed to be in good church? Do you know that's part of our wealthy place? Do you know that's connected to our prosperity? Yes, sir. Let me read this to you. You're in 1 Kings 17, but you're already comfortable holding it. You can just hold it a little bit more. Go to Jeremiah 23. Oh, thank you, Lord. You know, I'm excited this week because I really feel like we're getting some things out. I, As a minister, you'd know what I'm talking about. I some of these things I've had in my heart for years and just be able to touch on them a little bit but not really get them out like you feel like you need to. I have sensed that some of that's happening this week. Some of that's happening this week. What's the result? You getting in your wealthy play, not just the location but condition. I mean, you're, people can look at you and there's a wealthy place shining out of your eyes. <laughs> wealthy place between your ears. <laughs> right? Wealthy place in your soul. You're free. You're fruitful. You're not bored. You're active. You're busy working for God. You're making a difference. You're not struggling. You're flourishing. You're prospering. Yes, you're prospering financially and materially, but most importantly, your soul is prospering. Oh, glory Glory to God. God. And the real measure of prosperity, God prosperity, is that all your needs are met and you have ability to help others prosper. Oh, that's prosperity. You have ability, opportunity and means and ability to be used of God to help meet others' needs. Help their dream and vision come to pass. Oh, glory to God. That God use you as an instrument to prosper others. That's real prosperity. Isn't it? In uh, Jeremiah 23 and uh, 3. 23, 3. He said, I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all countries, whether I've driven them. I'll bring them again to their folds. Their folds. Plural. And they shall be what? Fruitful. 
When will they be fruitful and increase? In their fold. Uh, the beginning days of my ministry was with Brother Hagin's ministry. And I began working at the prayer and healing, and at that time, counseling center. And we had it up over the brand new building just built. I and another two or three people were the first ones to be able to volunteer and help in there. Glorious thing. And right over the front of the building said uh, counseling, healing and counseling. And uh, I was on the phone answering calls and, and we're talking to people. People came in for counseling. We sat down with them. And Brother Hagin led prayer on Wednesday nights every week when he was there. And uh, he began to pray out loud, Lord, what's wrong with that? He'd say it out loud, what's wrong with that? He'd pray in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit. Every week, he'd, we'd hear him get back on the same thing. And eventually, we heard him talk about healing school. Of course, that piqued our interest because we're involved there. What's wrong with him? And finally, he came, he got, the Lord spoke to him one night in the prayer time. And uh, he came and talked to us at the healing school the next day. And this is what the Lord told him. He said, I never told you to counsel. He had given him James. Pray for the sick. Prayer and healing. And he said, I never told you to counsel. Man, it, by the end of the week, counseling was off the front of the building. Amen. He said, I never told you to counsel. I told you prayer and healing. You know, a lot of people supposed to be praying and it's counseling. Yeah. They, and they let it change and they let it go that way. And uh, this is what he said. He said, the Lord spoke to him. He said, sheep should be counseled in their own sheepfold. Yes, and if they don't have a sheepfold, that's their problem. <laughs> and when he said it, man, it, light just went off in me. Because just the week before, these two ladies had come and I had counseled with them. They were from another city. And they shared with me in about 10 minutes what was going on, and I gave them an answer from the Word, and I found out the next week they didn't tell me half the story. And I'd have given them another response. But they purposely only told me part of the story. And a lot of people like to do that. They like to go from place to place to place where people don't know them and tell them a shaded one-sided tale and get them to side in with me so they can go back and say, well, yeah, I talked to brother so-and-so, and he said such and such. But see, if people are going to church, and you see them every week, hmm, month and month out, you get to know them. You get to know their history. And that's why a lot of people don't want to stay in one place too long. <laughs> And they're running from here to yon and counsel me, tell me what to do, tell me what to do. No, you need a sheep fold. You need to get in there and get hooked and get fed and work. Yeah. Work. Yeah. Work. Yeah. Work. Yeah. Work. Glory to God, yes. work. I don't have time. <laughs> yeah, you tell Jesus that. You wait till the judgment seat of Christ and you tell him you didn't have time and see how it goes over. Amen. Amen. It ain't going to fly. <laughs> you have time for what's important to you. 
Everybody makes time for what's important to them. The thing is, church, things of God, it's just not very important to them. Keep reading. We're talking about wealthy place, aren't we? Huh? Sheep are supposed to have a sheepfold. A place where they fit. A place where they're supposed to be. He said, verse 4, And I will set up shepherds over them which shall feed them. And they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed. Glory to God. Why wouldn't they fear anymore or be dismayed? Because they got full of faith. Oh, they got full of faith. And it pushed all the fear out. Why did they get full of faith? Because they've been hearing the word. They've been being fed. They're being fed. And you know you need it regularly. You need it weekly. And even multiple times in the week. What do you mean? Well, people even that call themselves churchgoers go once every quarter. Once every six months. I'm serious. We got millions of millions of people. This is how they do. Everything's rocking along pretty good. Everything's fine. And then here's a catastrophe. Here's a crisis. And they want to see the pastors. They want to see the ministers. And they want them to give them in an hour session what they should have been getting couple of times, three times a week for the past five years doesn't work. God's merciful. He'll help people. You know, if you hold on to Him, He'll get you through it, but you'll know you've been through something. (laughs) And it's not His fault. It's because you were too busy. You had other stuff to do. The Word wasn't a priority to you. And you didn't put Him first. And you didn't put His stuff first. And what is the master key to godly prosperity? It's Matthew 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Not your job. Not your family. Not your hobbies. Not your flower bed. Not your fishing. Not your investments. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. See, there are millions of people just in this country, just in the U.S. and every other country of the world. Millions of people every Sunday not in church. And they're supposed to be there. They're supposed to be there. They're supposed to be getting fed. They're supposed to be basking in the presence of God. They're supposed to be fellowshipping with other Christians. They're supposed to be getting answers. God, even beyond the preacher, God will give that preacher things and speak through him, even things a preacher that he or she doesn't even know, for the sake of those sheep to get what they need fed. Come on, do you see it? But if you're not there, how can God get it to you? You're at the wrong place. You're not in the place where you're supposed to be and the time you're supposed to be there and you're not going to be getting what you need and months may click by but it's going to come up and you're not going to be ready. Your faith's not going to be there. Your spirit's not going to be strong like it's supposed to be. You're not going to be developed in wisdom. You're not going to have sown your seed because, you know, most people, they feel like if I don't show up, it also relieves me from sowing. 
And if I ain't been in three months, then I can just forget about those ties for those three months because I wasn't there. And I don't know how folks figured that out. But <laughs> And what people are doing, they are in the wrong place. They are not getting grace. The devourer has access. It's no wonder why people have so many problems. It's the grace of God. People don't have more. People living such half-committed lives and barely, you know, reverencing God's things. What did he say, though, in verse 4? He said, I'm going to bring them again to their folds. What will happen when he brings them to their folds? This verse 3. They'll be fruitful and they'll increase. Where? In their folds. If you hadn't found your fold, brother, don't let any moss grow on you till you do. Don't let any dust settle on you. I mean, seek God. This is serious. Now, seek God. I don't care if you have to move halfway around the world. I don't care if you have to change everything. Find where you're supposed to be. There's a place where you're supposed to be. There's a family, a church family you're supposed to be a part of. And if you don't get in there, you don't get hooked. I don't, you can make all the confessions you want to. You can go all the conferences you want to go to. You can sow all the seed you want to sow. And you will never prosper like you're supposed to. And you will not develop like you're supposed to. Because you know, how many know, thank God for good conferences. But that's not every week. That's not steady. That's not every week, every month. Every year. How many know you need that? And you need those connections. And you need those faith friends. Those faces that you see. Every week. You need it. And they need you. You need faith buddies. That'll stick with you closer than a brother. Faith buddies. That'll stand and believe God with you through anything. Faith buddies. That know code talk. Let me say, what's code talk? <laughs> code talk. You call your faith buddy and you go, hey, what's up? Yeah. Hey, uh, tell me how healed I am. <laughs> Don't tell them a bunch of symptoms and how you feel. Tell me. And that's all they need to know. That's code talk. Faith buddies know that. They got it. You just give them that. They got it. Oh, you better believe how healed you are. Let me tell you how healed you are. Preach you up for about 30 minutes. <laughs> then maybe, you know, next week or next month they call you and go, hey, yeah, what's up? Hey, hi. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> Say, good things. Say, hey, uh, tell me how I'm paying off everything I got and getting out of debt. Amen. Tell me. <laughs> and they go, you better believe you are. You have sown seed. You putting God first. I'm telling you, God's working on it right now. He's bringing in abundance to you. I know the angels are moving today. Things are happening. He's bringing you into loving kindness and favor with people. Miracles are happening. You need your faith buddies. You need your church. You need your fold. You need your family. You need to go where he tells you to go and you need to get in there and stick 
unless and until he tells you to do something else. And I mean unless he tells you to do something else. The reason people are making so many mistakes and they're so disgruntled and lacking and unfruitful, they're letting other things lead them instead of the Holy Spirit. Ministers, pastors are being led by other things and other people than the Holy Spirit. They're trying to do what their friends have done. Letting their friends lead them. They're being led by trends. Anybody know what I mean by that? Trends. Whatever seems to be the happening thing right now. They're being led by needs. They're being led by who they think might give them some money. Hmm? They're being led by fear. You got pastors won't preach what the Lord tells them to. For fear their people will leave. For fear, people won't give. For fear, this or that will happen. Friend, if you're led by fear, the devil's leading you. If you're led by fear, you're not in faith. The Spirit of God's not leading you. Let's say, Lord, help us. Help us not to follow anything or anybody except you. How many think you could live a life led by the Spirit every day? Every, every, I mean, get up in the morning and say, Lord, show me what to do. Show, yes, live by the Word, but what part, what verse, when, how, and where? It's the Spirit's job to show you how this applies to you. And He's also raised up people around about you to help you with this. I trust I've said it, but maybe I can say it a little bit different way. There have been people God's put in my life that were my seniors and elders and knew so much more about walking with God. You know, like Brother Hagin used to say, you know, walk in faith for 50 years, you just trip up over a few things. Yeah. I mean, you're going to learn some things yes, just by reason of time and doing this. And there have been times where I was puzzled about something. It didn't, I wasn't quite seeing what to do. And they'd bring it up and, and brought a verse up and said this. And I thought, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it is. What? That experience. They've been there before. They've seen it before. But you have to give them that place in your life or else was they won't have opportunity or utterance to speak into it. A lot, you know, I've had a lot of people tell me over the years, oh, Brother Keith, you, boy, if the Lord ever gives you anything. If the Lord ever tells you anything, anything, please, you know, tell us. And you know, most of the time, it's not true. I said most of the time, it's not true. A while back, some people said that to me, and I began to say something to them, and they looked shocked, like. (laughs) And you want to say, hey, you just said No, the truth is, most people are not giving. They're saying it. They want to think that's how they are, but they are not giving you that place to speak into their life. There's been places I've gone to ministry before, and I was there for a whole week. Never could get out what I had on my heart. People's heart just wasn't there for it. There's been other places. I'm thinking of a place right now, sitting just at the restaurant. And I mean, by the time I got there, things are coming out of me. I'm learning while I'm talking. Why? It's not just about me. God's using me. Oh, hallelujah. To help them 
And how can he do it? Because they respect the Word of God. They respect the gifts. They respect the anointing. They respect God, and the Lord allows you to say things. And allow, you know, so many times people just, they haven't given that place. And that's why the Lord says so many of my people are not benefiting fully, even remotely fully, from the gifts that I've given them. Can we change that? Should we change it? Should you be in your fold, the right fold? Is your wealthy place connected to your correct fold? The fold you're supposed to be. Look at it again. Jeremiah 23, 4. I will set up shepherds over them. That'll do what? Not fleece them. (laughs) Feed them. Feed them. And if they get fed right, how can you tell they're getting fed right? Oh, they get to the place where they're not afraid of anything. Not the devil, not death itself. They become, glory to God, they become more than conquerors. They become bold in the Lord. They become fearless. Fearless. Faith-filled people are fearless. Just a fact. They'll fear no more. They won't be dismayed. Read that last one. What? Neither shall they be lacking, says the Lord. Sounds like a wealthy place to me. And it's a sheepfold. It's a sheepfold. There's a whole lot of folks don't think they need it. They think, well, I hear all that, but, you know, I don't like crowds. And I like communing with God in nature. And, you know, I feel closer to God. Just me by a pine tree. You know, there's so many hypocrites go to that church. I just don't like hearing all that and seeing. You're wrong. Well, I reckon I can be just as good a Christian as you or anybody else. Just me and the Lord. I reckon you can't. The Bible says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together you need a shepherd you need ministry you need faith buddies and they need you you need to work you need to sow your life's going to be over just in a few breaths and you need to be doing something that contributes and counts for the kingdom of God or elsewise you'll be saved but just by fire and you won't have reward You're not going to get reward for making a living. There's no eternal reward for retiring early. There's no eternal reward for making a lot of money. Or playing a lot of golf or catching a lot of fish. And it's not to say you can't play some golf and catch some fish. It's not to say you can't commune with God to your heart's content by the pine tree. With your coon dog or your bass boat. Help yourself. But Sunday morning, get yourself to church. <laughs> you got all these other times to do that. How many want to tell me this is an excuse? It's an excuse not to be responsible spiritually to do anything or to do any work. 
And I didn't intend to say all that. <laughs> but I'm a gift. <laughs> go, go back to First Kings 17. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> and I know some folk will hear that and they'll say, well, I don't care. I ain't going to church. <laughs> and ain't nobody going to make you. But you will regret it. Maybe not this year or next year, but the time will come. You will regret it. How many that have become active and a strong part of a church have been thankful in your time of need when the church rallied around you? Oh, mm. you just, you get such a revelation of what it means to know you never have to go through anything alone. You never have to stand up against it by yourself. You got Jesus, you got the Holy Ghost, but you also got a family that loves you and will go through fire with you. All the stuff that people talk so much about, the gangs, the mafia, the clubs, they talk about family. Oh, once you're a part of the family. But the truth is, you can get initiated and wear the colors or have your name on the register and week after next if you become a liability. Say, I love you like a brother, <laughs> but I got to whack you. <laughs> Nothing personal, just business. That is not the kind of family you need or want to commit. And all of them are that way. Don't They'll tell you they're not, but outside of God, all of them are that way. Yes. They will cut you off. They will cut you down. The moment you become a liability. And what they all are. Are poor, 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 poor imitations. Of the real deal. What's the real deal? The family of God. Oh hallelujah. The family of God. Is the real deal. And it doesn't just last a long time. It don't just last all your life. It lasts for all eternity. And the head of this family will never leave you. Never forsake you. And those are not just words. No matter how bad you mess up. Always forgive you. Always be there for you. And real men and women of God are the same. Aren't you thankful? You're a part of the family of God. And there's a local part of that family that you belong in. If you hadn't found it, please, for your benefit, pray and seek God till you do, till you find Him. 1 Kings 17, we might be able to read it now. Thank you, Master. What are we talking about tonight, all this week? Wealthy place. 1 Kings 17, Elijah the Tishbite 
who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came to him, to Elijah, saying, Get you hence. What does that mean? It means get out of here. When the Lord says get out of here, what's it time to do? It's not time to ask questions. Get out of here. It's not time to go, Lord, it's the middle of a school year. (laughs) What about the kids? Lord, I don't have any money saved up. Lord, if you'll listen, the devil will give you 100,000 reasons why you can't get out of here right now. Get out of here. If the Lord says get out of here, that was kind of weak. Get thee hence and turn thee eastward and hide yourself by the brook Kirith that is before Jordan and it shall be that you shall drink of the brook. I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. Everybody say there. 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 Is there a place of provision that God has prearranged and made ready for this man? Times are bad and they're about to get a lot worse before they get better. But God has made a provision for his man that's obeying him and believing him. But in order for him to enjoy it, what's he got to do? He's got to be willing. And he's got to, he's got to obey like Abraham, not knowing even where you're going or why. You've got to be willing to obey. What if he had said, boy, that's rough country over there. You know, what am I going to do, just camp out by the creek? You know, I never liked camping out. You know, they still got food over such and such place. And uh, I held a meeting over there, you know, last year. And they all like me. And I think I'll go over there. I know they, at least I'll be sleeping in a bed. Would the ravens have taken the food over there? What if he had prayed real hard? The ravens are going there. Whether you go there or not. Because he has commanded them to take it there. Oh, friends, there's so much revelation here. Again and again, men and women, people of God, have not had their provision like they should have. They came up short. They lacked. They went through hard times. They prayed. They asked God to provide for them. And they did not understand why it happened that way. And the thing is, their provision came. They just weren't there. Their provision came. It showed up at the right place at the right time, but they were not in that place because they had a better idea. They decided, well, hey, God can take care of me one place just as good as another. That don't really matter. Yeah, it's been coming up in my heart, you know, for two months now to move over there and do this, but, uh, you know, God's everywhere. 
He can take care of me here just like he can anywhere. Not if he told you to go there. Your provision's going to show up there, whether you do or not. So, he showed up. Verse 5, come on. This is why we're reading about it tonight. So he went, and he did according to the word of the Lord. How many know this is just about one of the most hugest keys to success in life you could talk about? Do what the Lord told you to do every day, every week. What is the key to amazing? I mean, laws of physics suspending miracles. What his mother told him at the wedding feast of Canaan. How can you get the most amazing miracles anybody's ever seen or heard about? It's so simple a three-year-old can understand it. Whatever he says to you, do it. Now, it don't take long to say it. But millions of folks, when it comes up, yeah, but I've had this planned for a year and a half now and and yeah, but you know, Mom and them's not doing good, and it's just not a good time for me to, to go. Yeah, but you know the company this, and and yeah, but okay, all right. But I sowed my seed and I made my confessions. Yeah, and your provision's gonna show up, just not where you are. So he, verse five. So he did what? He went. And he did according to the word of the Lord. He went and dwelt by the brook Kareth, that's before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. Friend, this is spectacular. This is spectacular provision. How many believe God's big enough, whatever would happen if all the economies of all the nations of the world collapsed? He could still take care of you. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Absolutely. That's what's happening here. I mean, the nations are failing. People are starving, dying in the streets for lack of something to eat. And his belly is full every morning. And every evening. And there's not even a man involved. Where are those ravens getting all this bread? During a famine. (laughs) This is amazing. God led them to the bread. And they went. Grabbed it. And didn't eat it. Didn't eat it. During a famine. Flew it back, flew it back to the brook, to there. Now, the man of God might not have known it. When he first got there, first afternoon or whatever it was, he might have thought, boy, this is going to be a long deal. (laughs) Camping out by the brook. (laughs) But boy, when the bread and the meat started showing up, and all he's got to do is sit there, kick back. By the creek, he began to rejoice in his creek bank experience. (laughs) And he thought, man, this is the place to be. I am under the spout 
where the provision is coming out. It's this spot. It's this place. It's because God had preordained it, but also because he obeyed and went there. But you know, life and people and things are changing every day. And the Bible said, after a while, what happened? Verse 7, it came to pass. After a while, brook dried up. There hadn't been any rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came to him and said, Arise, get up, get you to Zarephath, belongs to Zidon, and dwell, dwell there. Behold, I've commanded a widow woman. (laughs) Yeah, just who you wouldn't pick in a famine. A widow woman there. A widow woman where? Get there because I've commanded a widow woman there to sustain you. Friend, walking by faith, being led by the Spirit is the most exciting life. It takes faith. It's not always comfortable on your flesh. But it's the most exciting life. You wind up at the most amazing places. You have the most amazing miracles. One day you're camping out by the creek bank. Next day you're over in Zarephath. Huh? One day you're preaching in this city. Next day you're translated and found in another city. Oh, glory to God. We have a higher way of walking than what we've been doing. It's by faith. And it's by the leading of the Spirit. Every day, the leading of the Spirit. Friend, is it coming strong in your spirit that it is so important to be led every day by the Holy Spirit? So what'd he do? Verse 10. You know, human nature is to cling to what you know. What you're used to. And if people starving to death, uh, you know, human nature would be, well, let's give it another day or two, see if them ravens come back. Because <laughs> we know that's been working. That's human, human nature. The flesh is that way. You remember when God brought the Israelites out of Egypt and he rained manna out of the sky? What did he tell them? This day go out and you'll take twice as much up. But don't, you know, in the beginning he said, don't store it. So what they do? Then on the Sabbath, he said, don't go out. So what'd they do? They went out. out. And see, it was a much bigger deal than a manna deal. He's endeavoring to train them to follow him. And they are flunking big time. And you keep flunking on the little stuff, you'll flunk on the big stuff. Is it important? Is it imperative that we be led every day, all the time? Don't trust in your own understanding. Lean not to your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He said, all right, get up from here. Go to Zarephath. So what did he do? What's the secret to getting amazing miracles? Even laws of physics, suspending miracles, whatever he says to you, do it. Arise, go to Zarephath. Verse 10, so he arose and he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering up sticks. 
And he called to her. He said, uh, fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel. I mean, it hadn't rained. Creeks dried up. Asking for water is like asking for gold. Give me a little bit of water, please, that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, as she's doing what? Huh? Now, here's another thing. Not only do you have to go where the Lord directs you to go to get your provision, you have to sow where he tells you to sow and when he tells you to sow and what he tells you to sow. It takes faith, doesn't it? Did it take faith for her to give him some of her water? You know it did. As she was going to fetch it, he called to her. He said, bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread. What? Oh, bread? People are dying in the streets. She don't know him. But what God say? I've already got this set up. I have already dealt with a woman there. A morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, as the Lord your God lives. I have not a cake. I don't have a whole cake of bread. I've got a handful of meal in a barrel. See, it used to be a barrel full of meal. Now it's only a handful left at the bottom of the barrel. I got a little oil in a cruise, and I'm gathering two sticks. The Bible gives you the number two. How many understand? This is a little fire and a little cake. <laughs> Two stick fire, <laughs> one hand cake. Time you take a handful of flour and put your little oil in it and cook it, what you gonna have? <laughs> mini mini cake. Two stick fire, one hand cake. She said, I'm going to do that and fix it for me and my boy that we may eat and die. What does that mean? After this, that's it. Now, this is so amazing and wonderful at the same time. God has already foreordained her and her son's survival. Provision, hasn't he? And his man of God. What's it all riding on right now? Whether she's going to sow this seed or not. Even though God has preordained things, how many know he still had to leave the brook and go? She still has to say yeah. Because he doesn't make people, he doesn't force people past their will, does he? No. But he sees the end from the beginning and he saw her heart. And he knew his man's heart. But you still got to do it. It's still up to you. She said, I'm going to make this little cake and then we're going to eat it and I guess we're going to die. Elijah said to her, fear not. Good shepherd always tells you, fear not. Fear not, go and do as you have said. Get your little sticks, get your meal. But make me thereof a little cake first. And bring it to me. And after, make for you and your son. 
Now, what would the media do with that today? Preacher takes food out of starving child's mouth. They had a two-stick fire and a one-hand cake. And the preacher says, give me the first part. Give me part of it first. (laughs) And how many millions of people say, God would never sanction a thing like that. God, oh, no, no, no. But it wasn't a man asking for something for himself. This is the difference. Now, it would be wrong. Man or woman, preacher or no, to selfishly ask for something. It would be wrong. That's not what he's doing. The reason he's standing there talking to her is because the word of the Lord, come on, came to him, told him to go there. He's telling her what the Lord told him to say. He might not even been comfortable with it himself, but that's got little to do with it. When the Lord says, say it. He said, give me a cake first. Is this about him as a man, Elijah? No, this is about, if she does this, what is she doing? She's putting God first. Because she knows, he's, she's already perceived this, obviously, that he's a man of God, not just a man walking down the street. This is her way of putting God first. What'd she do? He said, bring me a little cake first. And then make for you and your son, for thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. She heard that word. Faith came from hearing that word. (laughs) Glory to God. How many of this is one of the best decisions this woman ever made? Because in the next months, thousands of mothers died. Perhaps tens of thousands of widows and their sons died, died, died. Because there was nothing to be had anywhere. While her and her boy and the preacher (laughs) ate every day by a miracle of God. Oh, come on, can you see it? And where did it happen? There. There. For that season and time, that was their wealthy place. How many understand when the, most of the population is starving to death and you're eating every day? That's wealthy. Brother, that's wealth. She went and did, according to the saying of Elijah. She and he and her house did eat many days. The margin says a full year. A full year. Twelve months. And the barrel of meal wasted not. Neither did the cruise of oil fail. According to the word of the Lord. Which he spoke by Elijah. Glory to God. Somebody say the place of provision. The place of obedience. The place of faith. The place of sowing. The wealthy place. Hallelujah. Stand up on your feet, everybody. You said a few minutes ago you believed God could sustain you no matter what happened. Didn't you say it? I heard you say it. I saw you nod your head. I saw you wave your hand. 
You said if every economy in the world failed, God could still sustain you and take care of you and feed you. Didn't you say that? Do you believe that? Come on, lift up your hands. Tell the Lord you believe it. Lord, we believe it. We believe you are the great, almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. We believe you're the great Jehovah Jireh who provides. Oh, we believe. There is no weakness in you. There is no scarceness. There is no lack in you. There is no running out in you. We believe. We believe and we say you are our provider, our faithful, faithful provider God. And we give you all of the glory. All the glory. Now mean business with this next part. Close your eyes, but mean business with this next part. Say it out loud, Father, forgive me for ever ignoring you or procrastinating, not doing what you said do, when you said to do it, the way you said to do it, at any time I've ever come short and failed. To obey you. Or follow you fully. I repent. It's not my heart. It's not my will. I desire. To follow you closely. That my soul. Follow hard. After you. That I stay close to you. I confess. You are my shepherd. I know your voice, and I will not follow a stranger. Help me to grow more and more sensitive, keen to hear you. Thank you for making me strong in faith to step out and obey you. Go where you say go. Stay when you say stay. Do what you say do. No matter what it looks like. No matter what it feels like. No matter what others say. It's my heart. And I'm willing to do your will. Work in me. Lead me. Even if I don't know you're leading me. Guide me. Even if I don't realize it, I give you the right. I open the door. I say, here am I. Lead me. Take me all the way. I'm giving place to you. By faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise Him a little bit. Oh, Father, we praise You. Oh, Father, we give you glory, we give you glory, we give you glory, we give you glory. We give you glory. Whoo! Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Now we see connected with this, he told her, fear not. Is that important? Oh, we saw if you get in the right fold, you get fed. You get fed the right thing. What's the result? No fear. You get where you don't fear. You're not dismayed. You're not discouraged. 
We need to be in faith and have absolutely no fear about our future, our future finances, our future with our ministries and our churches. I want you to say something bold and I don't want it to be the last time that you say it. Say it out loud boldly. I have a good shepherd. I have a provider. Jehovah Jireh. And I will never want. All my life. I will not go hungry. I will never do without. As long as I live. I'll be well provided for. I will live in provision. I'll have miracles. Whatever it takes. I'll eat good. I'll live good. I'll do the work of God. And I will not lack. I will not want. As long as I live. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I'm not afraid. I am not afraid. Hallelujah. Now, what's a big part of it? (laughs) Doing what he said, whatever he says, do. Huge part. You can be seated. Glory to God. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.